We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to episode number four of Fantasy Bites. I'm Joe Bartle, and in today's show, I'm joined by one half of Rotoware's excellent NFL podcast duo, John McKechnie as he discusses his top three winners of the NFL offseason. Without further ado, enjoy. Number three. Okay. Uh, So my number three guy, I would say, is DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers. I think that um, the move that the Panthers made this off season to go ahead and acquire Teddy Bridgewater, um, I think meshes extremely well with his game. If you look at the numbers, uh, from Bridgewater's, you know, foray as the starter, uh, for the saints last year, still a little bit, um, you know, not, not super willing to push the ball super deep down the field. And, uh, you know, with that DJ Moore kind of tends to run shorter, uh, routes within that Carolina offense. And I think that also, you talk about the other weapons uh, on Carolina, more vertical threats, whether it's Curtis Samuel or the recently acquired uh, Robbie Anderson. So uh, I think DJ Moore just kind of profiles as a guy who is going to continue to be a target monster for the Panthers. I think that um, you know things are really trending up for him. I know he had a, a good season last year with, with Kyle Allen back there. I think uh, it's going to be even better for him this year. He's really going to be uh, that true number one target. Uh, for Teddy Bridgewater in this offense. And then there's also the element of, you know, Joe Brady uh, coming over after conducting or bringing LSU um, out of the dark end ages offensively and making them the most explosive offense basically in college football history. So uh, if he can work uh, his magic with that as well and, and make this passing game even better uh, from like a schematic standpoint, I think that all of, all of this points to DJ Moore having a huge season. Well, it's interesting you bring up Brady obviously in the context of a new offense for the Panthers. I mean, Moore was fantastic. Even last season, 87 receptions, nearly 1200 receiving yards, only four touchdowns, which I think uh, might've been a bit of a, a detriment for some people who drafted him higher in fantasy, but by all measures, he was a pretty darn good receiver. I would have been concerned with the transition from 
uh, Cam Newton to Teddy Bridgewater. But we obviously didn't have that. We had uh, Kyle Allen back in center for a while for the Panthers and made a bit of a difference, right? So my biggest concern with DJ Moore, and maybe you can kind of go into this a little bit further, I would have thought adding in Robbie Anderson would have made a significant difference. And we have to imagine Ian Thomas continues to improve, emerge. I don't know what the right word you want to use for it, but he'll be a factor in there. And of course we know McCaffrey has to get his 5,000 plus targets, whatever <laughs> it feels like each season. So it, wouldn't that all kind of weigh in on more, all this to say like 135 targets last year, is that the ceiling for him? Or do you think there's going to be even more than that? Um, I think that we'll see a bit more. I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to ever touch like the 160, 170 uh, target threshold, but I think there is some room for growth there. I mean, he did the 135 in 15 games uh, last year. And, you know, I, I think the addition of Robbie Anderson, while I love Robbie Anderson's skill set, I can't really picture a worse fit uh, for him in, in terms of what his skill set is, what he brings to the table as a vertical threat. I don't see that meshing particularly well with. Um, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. So I see him kind of almost playing like a decoy role in this offense, um, a, a relatively expensive decoy at that. But I, I just don't really see uh, where he's going to cut off like a, a particularly um, large portion of DJ Moore's targets necessarily. So uh, he'll get, he'll get his to an extent, but I, I still think that this is going to be the DJ Moore show. And I, I still view like Christian McCaffrey probably as his, as Moore's biggest uh, uh, competition for targets. And we didn't even mention Curtis Samuel. Does does he factor in that equation for more? I mean, if you're saying more is the top three biggest winner this year, the answer probably is no. But you just look at all those guys, the weapons that they have, and the fact that Bridgewater isn't known to throw deep and take advantage of either Anderson or uh, Samuel's speed. I have to imagine a guy like Joe Brady is going to involve those weapons in a different capacity than we've seen before. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, you, you can't, over gear your offense to, to any one guy. Although, I mean, we, we, we see the saints Except making that work pretty well, uh, with Michael Thomas, uh, not the DJ Moore is Michael Thomas, but, uh, you see, you see what I mean there. Um, I, yeah, I think that Curtis Samuel is a guy that, um, you know, very, very quick, very fast, um, talented guy, but, um, has some drop issues and also, um, you know, I'm not totally sure that Carolina is going to be committed to him beyond this year, even it, or, you know, I'm not even certain that he's going to be on their roster to open the season here. So um, I like the talent there. But again, it's another thing where I just don't really see him challenging uh, more in, in Moore's role within that offense. Number two. Um, number two is a very similar uh, type of uh, line of thinking here, but uh, I think it it expands on it a little bit more. I really think that uh, the Tom Brady signing uh, in Tampa Bay um, is going to help Chris Godwin like even more. I think that we're going to see an, like another level. I think that now we we've reached that point, that nexus point where for, from a fantasy perspective, uh, if you're picking between uh, Godwin and, and Mike Evans, I think that the way that Brady uh, tends to play, uh, especially now and in, in the routes that, that Godwin runs, I think that we're going to see a, a massive year uh, from Godwin. I think that he can expand on his numbers for, from a year ago. And I'm not necessarily uh, as sold on that when it, when it comes to Mike Evans. So I think Chris Godwin becomes that new number one uh, for the Tampa Bay offense. And I mean, that's, that's just huge. It's interesting. You and Mar, you were probably the two biggest stands for Chris Godwin last year, uh, all throughout the NFL road aware podcast. And also on Sirius XM radio, you guys were banging the drum and then it felt like everybody else started to follow along. And of course, Godwin had a fantastic year last year. So is this a situation where 
he's he continues to be status quo. There isn't going to be much of a regression, or is there even a higher point with Tom Brady now under center for the Buccaneers and Chris Godwin and his fantasy value? You know, I don't know if he'll be able to match the 11 yards per target that he had a year ago. That's just very, very difficult to sustain. The fact that he did that over over the course of 121 targets is something that people should maybe even be, be talking about a little bit more. That's truly elite kind of ridiculous type of production on a per target basis uh, coupled up uh, with that level of volume. And, you know, he played 14 out of the 16 games a year ago and, you know, caught, you know, almost 70, 75 percent uh, was it was his catch rate. So really really or 71 I'm sorry uh, was his catch rate so really really efficient Um, I just think that um, the efficiency will will stay the same um, as far as the the catch rate maybe there's a slight regression as far as the yards per target because you know Jameis Winston was pushing the the ball down the field maybe a little bit more um, than Tom Brady's going to but I I think that in terms of the target volume um, over the course of this season I think that he's going to push for that like a borderline 10 targets per game type of rate. So if he can sustain the catch rate and, you know, the explosiveness doesn't tail off too much and that, I mean, that's just absolutely huge in my opinion. It's interesting. We look at Tom Brady and the Patriots offense in recent years. And I think immediately to Julian Edelman, to James white, to Rex Burkhead, all these guys that are, are short route specialists. And I wonder if it was the Patriots offense or Brady's limitations. We're going to find out that question or that answer to that question if and when this NFL season comes to fruition, let's just say that Brady's talent as a quarterback has fallen off. And I think it's a fair, a fair statement to make. And that's why the Patriots had to utilize more of the Edelman white and Burkheads of the world in those short to intermediate routes. Is that where a guy like Chris Goblin can benefit? Or are we thinking that there is going to be more of an air attack under Bruce Arians and that the deep ball that we know Brady could do back with Randy Moss and everyone else that's still going to happen or going to be able to, to be able to uh, be effective with the Buccaneers. Um, if I felt like the deep passing element w- was going to be like a major, major staple here, then I think I would probably be more on the side of Mike Evans. And it's not that I don't okay. think that, that, that Godwin can, can get vertical ne- necessarily. I, I know that he can, he can run the full route tree, uh, no problem. But I, I just feel like um, while Evans will continue on with that role, I don't know if it's going to be as big of a staple. And, and I think part of that, you know, could be Bruce Arians having to check his ego at the door here now that, uh, you know, he, he's had his offense for, you know, as long as he's, he's been a coordinator and a coach in this league. But I think by virtue of them going out and being the ones that Tom Brady chose, I think that there are probably going to be some concessions in terms of stylistic um, approach from, from this offense and, and what its new bread and butter is going to be. And I think it's going to be uh, hitting those uh, 10 to 15 or 10 to 20 uh, yard routes. And I think that's where Chris Godwin is an absolute assassin. I'm right there with you on that. I think that's at sound, sound logic and uh, it'll be interesting to watch Bruce Arians have to make concessions, but I agree with you that that almost feels like, the natural end to Brady signing with the Buccaneers that maybe this gets dialed back to uh, some semblance of not just aired out deep entirely hundred percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that, you know, if, if you are, if you're the team that, that wins Brady's, you know, commitment to, to your team, you know, everyone was going after him this off season. I think that there, there had to be some sort of, you know, handshake deals as to what things are going to look like to, to really maximize the skill set uh, that he has at this stage of his career. Number one. All right. So number one for me, and maybe this is, uh, you know, trying to recoup the whiff from a year ago, but I'm going to, I'm going to jump in with both feet here. I think that Darrell Henderson is probably the biggest winner, uh, from this free agency period. Oh, Darrell Henderson, of course, the guy that 
torpedoed all of my fantasy teams last year, even though I was able <laughs> I was to benefit in sna- Lamar Jackson. I can't wait for this one. Yeah, I was, I was, I was selling the snake oil of Darrell Henderson last year. I was, <laughs> I, and I, you know, I took it and it poisoned me for a year as well. So uh, obviously the, the under the hood numbers from a year ago didn't line up with that, with that, um, you know, with, with where he was getting drafted. I mean, outside of uh, your Josh Jacobs and your, and your David Montgomery's, uh, we saw a ridiculous ADP for, for Darrell Henderson. Uh, you know, he was creeping, I feel like into the fifth round at, at certain points of draft season. Then I think maybe things cooled down a little bit closer towards the start of the season when it looked like Gurley was going to be uh, good to go and everything. But overall, if you had a, a Henderson heavy portfolio a year ago, some of those teams, you definitely had to work your way around it. Um, so, uh, here's hoping that, that year two will be better for him, but I think there is a lot of reason to believe, uh, that it will. I think there was a reason why, first of all, um, why he was getting drafted so high, uh, last year, despite having obviously never taken a carry and, and not being guaranteed the starting job over Gurley. It's because that explosive production profile, um, at Memphis, where he averaged almost over nine yards, a carry, over a two-year sample, that's very, very difficult to do, almost impossible to do, and you, you really don't see it in a, in a standard college offense. Maybe you can see it from, you know, a, a guy that's not a workhorse uh, type of deal. But Henderson was like the engine of that run game for Memphis, and uh, I think that there's just reason to believe that that explosiveness that he showed in that production profile. Um, I wish that the workout numbers backed it up a little bit better than they actually ended up doing doing so um, at the combine. Uh, in 2019. But I still think that all of that uh, is there in front of him. I think his best football is in front of him. I'm not particularly intimidated by Malcolm Brown. Um, I think that uh, Henderson has that three down skill set where he's a pretty natural pass catcher, even if the volume wasn't super, super high at Memphis, he was efficient uh, with the looks that he got and he looked pretty natural doing it. So I think that there's reason to believe that uh, he has what it takes. uh, If, if he does end up earning the role to really be that, that big, uh, winner from this free agency period. The Rams have a second round pick, a third round pick and a compensatory third round pick, as well as the fourth, sixth, and seventh. So they're missing their first and fifth round pick. You talked about Jalen Rams, who's that first round pick that they'll be missing for the next two years and draft capital overall for the Rams is probably one of the biggest issues minus the Todd Gurley and Jared Goff contracts. My other thought is if you're not going to draft a running back, Maybe you can get one off the scrap heap. We saw it Adrian Peterson in the past, Carlos Hyde, which I absolutely hated, but it worked out. He got over a thousand uh, rushing yards for the Texans, despite Bill O'Brien being a nuthead. <laughs> I, like there, there's, there's options, right? Like Devonta Freeman actually would be kind of ironic. Of course, the Ram, or the Falcons cut Freeman and then picked up Gurley. I don't know what kind of price tag you could really afford from the Rams front office perspective, but I can't imagine Freeman costs much. So whether it be draft guys or someone to pick up, those are those are concerns that I see with Henderson, but you're completely on board with him being the top offseason winner thus far. I, I am, uh, you know, so I think you bring up legit concerns, of course, there as well. And, you know, Freeman, a totally viable guy that, that still hasn't been signed, like you mentioned there. So, uh, you know, if the Rams are, are starting to, you know, we're getting closer to uh, training camp starting and, and they don't feel right about about what that running back position looks like, um, then, yeah, I could totally see them going after a guy like Freeman. That would be a very shrewd move. Uh, again, we don't know what's going to happen with that and, and what their cap situation looks like. But um, as it stands right now, if if the Rams go into July and August 
um, with Henderson um, as its number one back or competing for that role, uh, then I am comfortable with having him as my biggest offseason winner relative to where he was, you know, this time a year ago. Let's play this out for, for one last question. So let's say the Rams don't make any moves. They don't draft anybody. They don't sign anybody. Henderson is a draft pick for you at what point at the end of August? Oh, that's a, that's a great question because, you know, put, puts the feet to the fire there. I think that, <laughs> I think that he is a legit, um, I think like early fifth round or, or, um, you know, or I guess if he has that sort of affirmation where they, they haven't added around him, um, at that spot, then maybe he creeps up to, you know, maybe around where like Mark Ingram was going a year ago yes. around like around like pick 38, pick 40, um, somewhere in that range. And there's always a, a good amount of running backs there. I haven't done um, enough eight, uh, like best balls, uh, just yet to have like the full feel for the ADP. But I, I think somewhere, you know, in the, in the, uh, fourth round or, or fifth round, uh, is where I would be very, very uh, happy to get Henderson. Yeah, I know I'm asking the wrong guy when it comes to the, the duo of the NFL Rotoware podcast. I know Mario is more of the best ball uh, king than you are, but still, I mean, if you're high in Henderson, I, I think a lot back to last year and my love for Ronald Jones. And I was all on board with Ronald Jones in the sixth or seventh round. And of course that didn't come back or that, that come back to bite me and, and really was tough, especially when I was also <laughs> fine with Henderson in the seventh or eighth. Um, but I agree with you. I think if you're talking about the Rams guys and, and they don't sign anyone, they don't draft anyone. And Henderson is your go-to. I'll gladly take Henderson over a guy like Malcolm Brown to get the majority of the carries. And in that offense with Sean McVay, I think there's a lot of potential and is probably a sneaky buy low candidate after how bad of a rookie season he had. Yes. I think there's going to be a lot of draft rooms where there are enough guys in there that have a bad taste in their mouth fr from uh, last year and, you know, are already on the hashtag never Henderson train. So you, that's something that maybe you can take advantage of. Thanks for listening to episode four of Fantasy Bites. And as always, special shout out to the Racing Pulses for lending their music to the show. Coming up will be the other half of the RotoWire NFL podcast duo, Mario Puig, and he'll touch on the three biggest losers of the NFL offseason. <laughs>